Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Looking over the middle. Hockey collapses. He takes off to the goal line. Touchdown, Stidham. Six the hard way. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we are, Raider Nation, kicking off our number two of the show here, Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. We're pleased to have on the phone lines our good friend Beth Mowens, of course, from ESPN, also does Raider, Raiders play-by-play during the preseason. And, Beth, it's always great to catch up with you, not only on the phone lines, but it was great catching up with you at camp today. And how different has camp been for you this, this camp around as, a pair, as opposed to what we saw last season? Well, uh, you know, it's it's always interesting when there's a, a new regime that comes in, new coaching staff, new way of doing things, right? And so um, I, I really enjoyed watching how Josh McDaniels and how Ziegler are, are building a roster and trying to put together, you know, the pieces that they think can, you know, contend for a championship. And it, it's, you know, they, they come in, right, Q, with the, the resume already in place that you know that they have the capability of doing it, they have the know-how, and now it's just a matter of have they meshed all the right pieces together with the Raiders that have been here, uh, the Raiders that they brought in through free agency, and, and also the draft. And I think the free agents are making an impact. The guys they brought in through the draft are making an impact. And, of course, there are you know some Raiders that have been here throughout uh, that are going to be playing major roles this year. Since they have that resume that you talked about, how much easier is that to get all the players that you've been talking about to buy in and say, okay, we're going to do what they're selling to us because, well, they already have the proof there that it works? Uh, well, I, I think that's a huge part of it. And then when you also bring in some guys that have been a part of that success in, in New England and have the rings and have the know-how, you know, whether it's in a huddle, whether it's sitting around the – um, you know, headquarters just having a bunch talking about what it has taken in the past to get it done and what it's going to take here to get it done. And I, I really enjoyed watching sort of the chemistry and which guys have, have emerged. You know, you, you hear great stories about a guy like Mac Hollins who looks like he's going to earn a spot on the roster and, and how Max Crosby and Chandler Jones have already, you know, seemed to have a bromance of their own going, which is, is going to be real exciting to watch. They're, they're going to have to be huge going up against the AFC West. You know, I started off the show talking about Josh McDaniels. He had met with us earlier this morning, and he had came to a point in his conversation where he said he's at peace with what they're doing. He's at peace with himself as a coach. And I thought that that showed a lot, that he's really grown from uh, his time in Denver going to, you know, back to New England and now arriving in Las Vegas. How much do you think that that helps him as a head coach, really being at peace with himself and understanding what he can do and what he can't do? I think that's probably the most significant thing that you hear whenever you talk to a coach who's going through something for the second time, no matter what the sport is. And it's this, you know, as as a first-time head coach, and Josh has talked about this, wanting to do it all, wanting to take care of every little detail and the understanding that you just can't do that. There's not enough hours in the day. And so, you know, he's talked openly with us as we're preparing for the preseason games about – trusting the guys that he has put around him, trusting the players that they're going to get it done. And, and I think that allows you to move forward and move on with things a lot quicker in training camp. And I think we're seeing that progression already with these Raiders. 
talking right now with Beth Moens here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. We've been talking about keys to success for this Raiders team this year, and me and you kind of shared a couple ideas today at camp. Red zone and, and be able, being able to create some turnovers, uh, to me, that's like one and two. What do, you, what do you think when it comes to a couple keys that the Raiders are going to have to have to take that next step? Yeah, you know, I, I think the the red zone offense is going to be huge to be able to, you know, turn a lot of those field goals into touchdowns this year. And I think the defense's ability to play make, get some pressure on the quarterback, get some sacks, some strips, get some, you know, balls out on defense. Uh, the, the six interceptions, that number has to come up this year. And we've already started to see glimpses of that. Obviously, it's just training camp, but nonetheless, you know, guys that have the ability to make plays, that have the ability to be explosive and to jump around, I think that's going to be critical for the defense to really have an impact this year. Yeah, Beth, when it comes to the preseason games, what have you seen different as a, from the team this year as opposed to last year? For me, it was maybe that first game where you realize how quick they were getting the plays off. So when it just comes to maybe Josh McDaniels coaching or the actual product on the field, what have you noticed that's different from this Raiders team? I think the biggest thing probably is, and, you know, Raider Nation over the years has just become accustomed to all the penalties and their ability to almost cut those out completely. The penalties, I think they had two the other day against Miami yeah. or, or only one. Yep, that, that's huge. The ability to have that kind of discipline, especially pre-snap, if they can continue to do that, because there's going to be some young guys up front that are going to have, have to have a major impact, right? So the, the ability to do that and to limit the penalties to, you know, on the defensive side, not help teams keep drives alive, I think that's going to have a major impact, and I hope that's the one thing that will carry over into the regular season. I agree. We've been talking about it quite a bit here on the show, talking about not beating yourself, you know, making the other team actually beat you. And so many times, as all of Raider Nation knows, the Raiders have assisted teams too many times in defeating them. Beth, how much fun has it been watching Devontae Adams in person? Oh, my gosh, the last couple of days, you know, even though we've been shielded quite a bit from the action, um, you can see footballs flying through the air, and you immediately look to see who's on the receiving end, and nine times out of ten, it's been Devontae. Um, just to have that kind of a playmaker for this offense, and, and to, I mean, Derek just looks giddy, you know, yeah. when they're out there on the field together with the weapons that he has, and, and hopefully, um, ultimately soon, we you add Darren Waller to that mix, you got a, a plethora of guys coming out of the backfield. So I'm sure teams will try and key on Devontae. The Patriots tried it, and he was able to beat them. And so I'm, I'm hoping that's going to continue as well in the regular season. You know, you've been around this organization long enough. You've seen the playmakers that Derek's had to work with, and I think that we both agreed maybe Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree were really the, the best weapons he had up until this season. How much better do you think that that can help Derek go out there, even with confidence, just to be able to sling it knowing the guys that are on the other end of the ball? You know, I, you talk about you've you're, you got the ball on the 20-yard line, and you can have Adams on one side and 6'4", Matt Collins on the other, and Waller, <laughs> at tight end, and, and Hunter coming out of the slot. And, oh, by the way, there's Josh ready to sneak out of the backfield if need be. Um, you know, it's too bad there's only one ball, I think, when, when all the playmakers are out there together. I, I think that's probably what's most exciting for Raider Nation. And, and, and it might be, Q, what's needed the most. Uh, you know, there may be a lot of 35-32 games in the AFC West this year. Yeah, there very easily could be. I mean, it's a loaded division, as you very well know. Again, we're talking with Beth Mowens here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Go ahead, Damon. 
Yeah, Beth, and you mentioned that there's only one ball, and the Raiders have been running the ball well in preseason. How much of a factor do you think that the run game is going to play for this Raiders team? I think you've got to have that one-two punch. You know, this this day and age, the NFL is a pass-first league, but if you have the ability to, you know, whether it's work-play action or, or whether, you know, what Josh McDaniels has, has told us, come hell or high water, we're going to have a, a quality screen game. Um, just those, those kinds of things to keep the defense honest and to keep them worrying about the backfield. I, I think Jacobs and, and Zamir White are going to be a great one-two punch. I think the ability to use Abdullah and Bolden in certain situations. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot on, on the air during the preseason games. You can bring D.J. Turner just about out of anywhere and, yeah. and make him a weapon, whether it's sweeps, whether it's in the slot, whether it's starting in the backfield. It's going to be fun to see, I think, what they do with them. That, that may be a six-wide receiver group come, come opening day. You know, there's obviously the big elephant in the room, which is the offensive line. You know, who's going to be the starting five? Who's going to hold down the right tackle position or even the right guard position? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? How, how quickly do you think that that could come together and they can come up with a decision on who's going to be the starting five? You know, I think the big question mark right now is, is Brandon Parker and, and um, you know, what his situation will be moving forward, what's going to happen when they have to cut down to 53, what they have to do with him. Um I, I like what I've seen already from the play calling, whether it's been Josh or whether it's been uh, Lombardi. You know, there have been a lot of quick hitters. Get the ball out of the quarterback's hands in a hurry. That that may be something they may have to do a lot of early in the season until some of these younger guys um, can kind of gel and, and mesh together. Um, you know, there, there's some disappointments up there, certainly. There's some guys that have a great opportunity uh, to earn roster spots and, and possibly have a huge impact. What have you thought about the third-round draft pick, Dylan Parham, a guy who you've seen and you've called the games where he's played all three interior positions on that offensive line? That cannot be easy for a rookie just starting to get his feet wet in the NFL. Yeah, I had a chance to to see Memphis, I think, each of the last three seasons we've had Memphis games. And one one of the great stats on, on Dylan and a credit to the Memphis program is I think they've sent four guys to the NFL, four running backs to the NFL in the last four years, and they've been running behind Dylan Parham. So there's a guy that you love that kind of versatility. Who knows? Maybe he's emerging as the starter at left guard, uh, you know, based on what we've seen in the scrimmages the last couple of days. So he's a guy that uh, is going to be absolutely critical to their success throughout the season. Yeah, I think so as well. Again, we're talking with Beth Mowens here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Just got a couple more questions for you. Another guy that we've been seeing uh, the past couple of days is Jermaine Illuminor. He's really a good story. He told us that he failed in Baltimore, failed in New England, and really didn't do what he was supposed to do last year with the Raiders, but feels like he has another opportunity. He's making the most of it. What have you seen from Jermaine Illuminor so far? You know, we actually had a nice little conversation with Jermaine the other day. He came in and uh, sat with a, a bunch of us that were just hanging out watching uh, practice. And even though he's an Arsenal guy, Q, and I'm a, I'm Chelsea Blue, he's okay <laughs> in my book. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think we all root for those guys that have knocked around the league a little bit and are, are getting a second or maybe even a third chance and just keep plugging away, just keep grinding. And here's a guy that has just continued to work hard on his craft, and it, it may pay off in a big way for him as the swing tackle or possibly he's the guy on the right side uh, to face the Chargers when we get going. I, I really like his story. I really like his work ethic, and 
Um, you know, sometimes those guys have the greatest mindset and the mental game to deal with all the ups and downs that come with that job. Yeah. No, I agree. I'm pulling for Jermaine Illuminor, pulling for a, a, a guy like uh, um, Lester Cotton Sr. as well. He's another guy that has a yep. really good story. There's, there's some really good stories going on with the Raiders. Final question I have for you is about just Friday's game. We know it's the fourth preseason game for the Raiders, and normally the third preseason is the dress rehearsal. Do you think this game on Friday has a big impact on any of the players still on the roster? You know, that's – that that's the big question. I, I think there are starting jobs that may still be uh, kind of up for grabs in the last couple of weeks of practice, whether it's, you know, who's going to start at the corners, who's going to be uh, the other safety starter alongside uh, Merrig. Um, I, I think there's still a lot to be determined amongst the defensive tackles because so many of those guys have been out for a lot of training camp. So th- those are a few positions that I may be keeping an eye on um, in this final game and certainly over the course of the last uh, week or so of practices before they, they head into the opener. Um, I, I think they can, they can save a position at, with the tight end room. If Waller's good to go, they may only need three guys there. That may mean you could keep another wide receiver or keep one of those extra running backs. Uh, the linebacker position, I think, looks pretty locked up, and, and the two rookies may, may have earned their way on. Uh, Masterson and um, uh, the other uh, draft pick uh, that his name escapes me right now, um, but uh, th- those two guys may-, may have secured jobs because of their ability to play on special teams as well. All right, Beth, you're a graduate of Syracuse. The new voice of the Raiders on the radio broadcast, Jason <laughs> Horowitz, also from Syracuse. So I got to ask, what's in the water at Syracuse for the university to just produce so many play-by-play <laughs> experts? Come on, give me the secret. <laughs> You know what? The winters are so harsh up there, guys, uh, and it just toughens you up. It's not actually what's in the water. I think it's what's in the beer up there because that's the only way to get through from, like, Thanksgiving to Memorial Day is good beer up there in Syracuse. That it, It's for the vocal cords, guys. You know, you got to take care of the vocal cords every once in a while. That's what I'm going to start saying. The more radio shows I do, I'm going to say, you know what? I need another beer. <laughs> That'll go you know straight. <laughs> Some of it sneaks across from the Canadian border, and that's all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) I can respect that. I appreciate that in a major way. Well, Beth, it's always great to catch up with you. It's been great to see you the last couple days at practice. I know you'll do a great job on the call on Friday, and we'll see you at Allegiant Stadium on Friday. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, there she goes, Beth Mowens from the Raiders broadcast. She does a great job with Matt Millen and Rich Gannon on the on the broadcast on, on the preseason games for the Silver and Black. Of course, does a great job on ESPN, calling college football games, college basketball games, softball games. She's just uh, she does it all, and I'm not mad at that at all. But uh, always appreciate catching up with Beth. Three fifteen is the time. Got a bunch of text messages I want to get to when we come back, so we'll do that. Plus, we'll take your calls. This is Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. Yeah, I think it definitely did because, you you know, the, the critiques that Josh would give us during OTAs are not the ones he's given us now because now we're, we're saying it to each other. Like, hey, we need to, this this situation now. Like, you'll hear guys at the end of the play, game when you're eight seconds left, like, hey, we're in this situation. We might be able to get two plays in. Like, guys are saying that rather than coaches saying that. When that happens, that's a, a good sign. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Been talking about the Raiders and their offensive firepower that they could potentially have this upcoming season. 
as I look back at what they did a season ago, and really this all came about, I saw this on uh, Get Up this morning on ESPN. They were talking about the silver and black and their opportunities. Saw that they were ranked 28th rushing yards per game, 6th passing yards per game, overall 18th points per game, and still found a way to win 10 games last season. That's pretty impressive, but not the numbers statistically wise. 18th points per game, not good enough. 28th rushing yards per game, not good enough. Actually had a a tweet from my guy, Doby, hit me up and said, according to Pro Football Reference, the Raiders last year were 14th in NFL in percentage of drives ending in field goal or offensive score. The Patriots under Coach McDaniels was second, only after Kansas City. That's a huge difference. That's a huge difference, right? These guys were ranked second, scoring points in general, field goals or or touchdowns, and the Raiders weren't. You know, they were they were in a in a bad position. And again, credit to them, they still found a way to win ten games and get to the playoffs. Now they didn't, you know, advance to the playoffs, but they got there even with the struggles they had when it came to the red zone. Now that's a great stat right there because it also shows, well, let's say the Raiders, they had to always pull out those victories, you know, whether it be come from behind, winning yeah. in overtime, so many game-winning drives from Derek Carr, and that's great. But what that, t- what that stat tells me about the Patriots, that they were always in positions to win because even though they didn't have the most explosive offense, they always scored when it counted. No doubt. No doubt about it. My guy all day, Raider A, hit us up on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187. Keyword R&R, Q&D. What's good, my homies? We need three things to go right this year. One, the O-line needs to be serviceable. Two, the offense needs to acclimate themselves to the playbook like some bosses. And three, stay healthy. If we can do all three things I'm calling now, we'll have the number one offense in the league. And if that happens, that'll help our defense become the top ten defense in the league. So there you go. All day Raider A says that the O-line is serviceable, the offense acclimates themselves to the playbook like some bosses, and they stay healthy. They'll have the number one offense in the league. Got a text from Glenn in San Jose. What up, Q? What up, DeMond? The offense will be number one in the division and at least top five in the league. The players are in place. The coaching staff has vastly improved. It's just a matter of execution on the field and not just looking good on paper. And that's the, that's the bottom line. You can look good as you want to in paper, on paper. You can look as good as you want to in practice and training camp. But when the bullets are, are, are flying and everything is live, that's when you've really got to shine. And, again, it goes back to what Beth was talking about, about the penalties and the lack of penalties. That's something we talked about at training camp today, too. Two penalties for 10 yards is what they had against Miami. Now, I'll say this. There wasn't a ton of flags thrown on, on Saturday against Miami in general. I think Miami was called for four. You know, they accepted. There was four penalties accepted against them. But the Raiders only had two? Two penalties for 10 yards? That's like one drive for the Raiders in general, right? <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's one drive. Two pen- if, if you had told a Raider fan... Any Raider fan, I don't care whether they could have been dead for the last 30 years and you revived them and say, guess what? The Raiders had two penalties for 10 yards. They call you a liar. There's no way they'd believe you. No way. Or they wouldn't be surprised and be like, all right, what happened on the next drive? <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, you mean on the, in the first four plays? No, I mean in the whole game. Man, that's, that's, that's incredible to me. Uh, we got a text from FedEx Raider. Shout out to FedEx Raider. Be careful out there. Q&D, what up? We're going to be top 10 in all three categories. That's points per game, yards per game passing, and yards per game rushing. He says they'll be top 10 in all three categories. If they're top 10 in all three categories, that's, to me, that's 10 to 11 wins right there. That's 10 to 11 wins, and that's what you've got to have. 
You've got to give yourself an opportunity. Again, you want to just make the playoffs, right? I mean, especially when you're a team that hasn't consistently made the playoffs, you want to just get there. But the ultimate goal in those, in those walls of the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, they're not going to come out there and tell you that their goal is to win the division, but their goal has got to be to win the division. That's got to be the goal. Again, the, the fallback after, the, after you, if you don't win the division is just make the playoffs. But you've got to want to push and strive to be that division winner. Got a text from uh, Jordan, Southern Utah. Q, I think they expected red zone efficiency improvement. We'll see them make a big jump into the top ten. Scheme improvement. Also, Matt Collins will be a big factor in the red zone. And, you know, it's funny. Damon, correct me if I'm wrong. Every week we have a new person that we're talking about a little bit more. Right? Then it yeah. feel like it, one week it was Lester Cotton, right? The next week it was Thayer Munford. This week it feels like the Matt Collins conversation. I mean, Beth was talking about Matt Collins. We've talked about Matt Collins. I know he, uh, you know, did the media session. He was the last guy to talk to us today uh, before training camp got wrapped up. But it just feels like every week the Raiders have someone else that we're talking about, another individual player, and this time it's Matt Collins. I'm glad that it's Matt Collins because, remember, he won the week early in training camp. Remember the Matt Collins mile? And everybody wanted to talk about that. Look at this guy literally going the extra mile. But hearing him today, that shows that not only is he doing the extra mile, it's paid off for him. He's earned his spot on this team, and now people are looking at him as a solidified starter, as the guy who's going to be opposite of Devontae Adams. Well, you know what's so funny about this, and all the people that I just talked about we highlighted, we didn't highlight – Devontae Adams. We didn't come in and gushing about Devontae Adams. Oh my gosh, he's everything that he's cracked up to be. Now we've said that. You know, we've seen, oh man, they they you know the Patriots don't have an answer for Devontae Adams. But I don't think that that's me coming in breaking news. I don't think that me all of a sudden, oh my gosh, did you hear on the radio Q said Devontae Adams is really good? Like that's our joke that we say on the sidelines at practice. You know, Vinny will look at me and go, Hey Q, that number 17 is pretty good. I think he's gonna make the team. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. He's got a little something, a little something in his neck. Right, he's, he's <laughs> or even with Max, when it comes to like, oh man, yeah, he dominated the offensive line. Because usually it's a, a lot of people it's doom and gloom with the offensive line. Right. But when it's hey and Max, they couldn't do nothing with him. It's just supposed to be expected. Right, exactly, exactly. But now you hear, you know, hey, fun for this. Okay, that's he's stepping up. Lester Cotton. Okay, he's stepping up. Now you're hearing about Dylan Parham. Right. I mean, that's that's the the biggest key to this is. It's not the guy. It's not the stars that you expect. Not oh my gosh, Derek Carr is going to be a monster. He's going to throw for five thousand yards because everything I've seen in camp. No, it's it's guys that's names aren't as big, but they're still making names for themselves. And Mac Hollins, I do believe he has an opportunity. We talked about him weeks ago. I believe with his size and his ability, he has at least an opportunity to be a player in the red zone. And that is going back to what we were talking about: points per game. That's where he'll be a factor. In the red zone, because, well, pick your poison. Uh, let's go out to the phone lines real quick at 702-365-9200. Who we got up, Damon? 502 Raider D. 502 Raider D. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? What up, Q? What's up, What's up, fellas? Chilling. Check this out. So, if you just take into consideration these two things. One, last year I think we were ranked second to Dallas in penalties and penalty yards. Mm-hmm. This regime is not standing for that. That's nope. not going to happen again. You take a look at where we ranked at in red zone efficiency. You were talking about this earlier. We were 29th. The Patriots were 6th. Yep. With their rookie quarterback and nowhere near the players that we have. We were 29th ranked. So think about this. You take a, a, a excellent play caller, a brilliant mind, one of the best in football. You put him with 
Devontae, Renfro, and Waller in D.C. You take the penalties out of the Imagine what could have happened last year. You take Cincinnati, who made it to the Super Bowl last year, as horrible as their offense was. We were a few plays away from beating them. What could we have done? Our future is bright, ladies and gentlemen. We have arrived again. I'm, I'm going to wait for the season. I'm going to get too excited. I've done that many millions of times before, as we all have. But you've got to love what's happening to our organization, our team. The Raiders will be great again, and it's, and it's going to be happening now. And I'm out. Hey, 502 Raider D, thank you for the call. Definitely appreciate you. And uh, let's talk about the future of the Raiders because one guy that's part of the future of the Raiders, we do believe, is third-round pick out of Memphis, Dylan Parham. And to join us now on the phone lines and talk about him is Ben Fennell. Uh, he covers the draft. He covers the, uh, the combine, the senior bowl. I mean, he's deep, knee-deep in everything NFL draft and had a couple tweets about Dylan Parham, including uh, the tweet he just put out, excited to talk Parham. I think that they got themselves a young stud on the interior. So, Ben, appreciate your time this afternoon. Tell us a little something about Dylan Parham. I know he got on your radar early. What did you see that stood out to him? Well, you know I love the NFL draft and talking draft all year round. It's the gift that keeps on giving in the scouting circle. So, always on to the next class. But Dylan Parham was a really interesting pick by the Raiders, their first pick, third-round pick, out of Memphis. And this kid is incredibly experienced coming out of Memphis, over 3,500 snaps played, starter at three different spots across four years. And I know it's a group of five team, but they're pumping out NFL-style running backs year after year with Antonio Gibson and Kenny Gainwell and Tony Pollard and Daryl Henderson. But the backstory on Dylan Parnum this is a kid that showed up to Memphis as a tight end at about 250 pounds. And that was the tweet I just tagged to your radio show promotion. Just to remind people, this was an undersized kid going to Memphis that put on weight and converted to offensive line. And that's the exciting nature about how he plays offensive line. He's incredibly athletic. He's incredibly quick off the ball. He can reach. He's, he can combo those linebackers at the second level. He has excellent recovery, not only with his hands, but his feet. And the thing I'm most excited about, the screen game, which the Raiders, I believe, they were 28th last year in screen percentage. So I just want to see a little bit more big uglies out in space. And in order to do that, you've got to have some athletic big uglies. And I think the Raiders for so long, I mean, look at their interior group. It's a lot of 320s and 330s and maybe Illuminates pushing 340. Not a lot of guys with some finesse and some quickness and some athleticism. So I love that Dylan Parnum was the pick for the Raiders. It really isn't a Raiders pick. But I love that they're kind of transitioning and adding some countering styles to what they already have. So it doesn't surprise you at all when I say that even as a rookie, as a guy who's just getting his feet wet in the NFL, he's playing all three of the interior positions so far in, uh, in training camp and preseason. Yeah, absolutely. And the interesting thing is almost every article and analysis on him is he's the, the center of the future. It's actually the one spot he never played at Memphis. And to be honest with you, his three preseason games, I don't love him at center. I think he's looked like a stud at guard. And right now, looking at John Simpson and Lester Cotton and Illumine, and, you know, I know Andre James is at center, but even if you had a Denzel Good in there, I really think today, August 24th, you know, two weeks before the regular season, Dylan Parnum is the best guard on the roster. And that should excite people. Don't get down on the players you have. This is a transitioning team. There's better times ahead. There's light at the end of the tunnel. But you've got to make the tough choices. 
And if this kid, as a rookie third-round pick, is the best player, you got to play him. And I love seeing him as the first-team left guard today over John Simpson. Do you think that he's better suited for the left guard spot, right guard spot, or does it not really matter? I don't think it really matters. Um, I just think his blend of being able to be a good zone blocker in the run game, uh, adequate pass protector, and then all the scheme stuff of playing him in space, he has the best blend of ability. Right. I think there's some guys that can get some good movement off the ball. Look, listen, Jermaine Illuminae at 340, he moves people. But he also can't move himself. So I just love that Dylan Parnum has some ability to really be a versatile player for the offensive line unit, which really hasn't had a lot of versatility over the last five, six, seven years. No doubt about it. Again, we're talking a little bit about Dylan Parham here on Raider Nation Radio, Unnecessary Roughness. Ben Fennell is our guest. And, Ben, as far as versatility, it's something that GM Dave Ziegler mentioned from the jump, that he wants guys that are versatile. So uh, Dylan is a very versatile guy, as we've talked about multiple times. So do you, when, when do you start to notice a guy in this draft process? When do you start to notice, hey, this guy does have some versatility. He is on my radar. I'm going to start paying attention to what he's doing throughout the course of the college football season. Well, right now, you're kind of harping on experienced players, those seniors that are multiple-year starters, and the young, high-side ability. And I think Dylan Parnum fell into the senior experience category as a four-year starter, over 3,000 snaps played, definitely peaks my radar. And then he shows up to the senior bowl and just raises his hand and said, what do you need me to do? I've played right tackle, I've played left guard, right guard. Oh, you want me to try some center? I'll do center. So to see him on a week down in Mobile with just raising his hand saying, I'll plug it where it leaks, wherever you need me to, that's exactly what you're talking about. Just a guy that has not only the mental makeup to help out and be versatile, he actually has the physical ability to play all five offensive line spots. And I know some people are saying, well, he's a little undersized. Well, he was 3'11 at the Combine. That's heavier than first-round pick Elijah Vera Tucker to the Jets two years ago who's comfortably their starting guard. And nobody says, well, Vera Tucker's undersized. Listen, Parnum has a smaller frame, but I think it works for him, and I love his athleticism. Now, will he get beat up a little bit against the the big two gappers and some of these hulking defensive tackles? Probably. But, you know, Jason Kelsey has been, you know, getting it done for 12, 14 years in the NFL as an undersized center. It can be done. So I'm really excited about Dylan Parnum and what he's shown so far. You know, you mentioned the mental side of things, and that could be something that's tough. You know, if you're struggling, that could really, you know, weigh heavy on you. If you're playing really well, I'm sure that that works really well for you, you know, in that case because you're loaded with confidence. When you see an offensive lineman lose his confidence or you feel like you, you see it in his body language, how, how, does, how do those guys get that back? How do they get their confidence back? Well, it's really tough because then all of a sudden you're playing on your heels and you're not confident in your body movements. Uh, to get the job done. And that's really not just an offensive lineman, but across all positions and really across all sports. And you can transition this to tennis and golf and other things. The second you lose your confidence, it is really tough to get that back. Now, there's some things the team can do and giving some favorable matchups and trying to work themselves back up from the bottom. But, you know, just being an athlete, you have to be strong-minded. You have to be able to battle through adversity. You have to have that short-term memory. And I think Dylan Parnum is one of those guys. Listen, the Senior Bowl week, he came in at over a little over 300 pounds. He got whooped in some reps, but he came right back the next rep. And that's the mental makeup you want of players in your football team, in your locker room, the guys that don't sulk, don't lose the confidence to say, you know what, I'm playing against professionals. They're going to get me. 
I'm going to come right back the next play. And I know Parham's had a nice camp so far. He's going to have some lumps, whether it's the next preseason game or maybe as an early starter. But I really like his mental makeup, and I don't think he's a sulker. I think he's a guy that's going to stay confident and stay hungry. Talking right now with Ben Fennell here on NSA Rub this Radio Nation Radio 920. My man DeMond has one for you. Yeah, Ben, when Q mentions confidence there, I don't think Dylan is a player that he's worried about, but someone that Raider Nation is worried about is Alex Leatherwood, second-year player at Alabama. When you did some scouting on him, what did you see? Was he worthy of a first-round pick? And I know it's too late for that now because you get picked where you're picking, you just have to play. But did to you, did he possess the talents of a first-round pick? No. Um, I thought he had some really good experience and some very high, you know, high leverage games in the SEC and Alabama national title games. I thought he blocked some NFL style, you know, edge rushers in the SEC, but he had very inconsistent take when you watched him in a vacuum, just watched him. And I think a lot of that really showed up at the senior bowl when he didn't have, you know, those offensive line mates and Najee Harris to get out all that trouble for him. So Alex Leatherwood, I think was a smidge overdrafted. And then that just sets very dangerous expectations, not only for the player, but then the fan base's expectation of that player. I think Alex Leatherwood will be okay, but I think the expectations based on his draft spot are way too big for him right now. And obviously the Raiders team and having to play him at multiple spots and some guard and some tackle, he's all over the place. He really needs to settle down find one position, work on that, and figure out, hey, am I a starter? Am I the swing tackle? Am I just a backup in this league right now? I'm only in year two, and that's okay. Some players develop at different rates. Don't get down on yourself, but they've asked a lot of you, and they have high expectations of you. It's really easy to get down on yourself. So I hope they streamline his responsibilities, let him work out that right tackle spot, let him compete with you know Thayer Munford and Brandon Parker or whoever else is out there, and just let him kind of Try to get that confidence back. It's really tough if he's somebody that's kind of in his own head right now. There's obviously a lot of reasons for that, but he has ability. He can play in this league. It just may not be on the timeline that fans want it to be. Do you think that he's better at the tackle position or the guard position? Because he played both a season ago. Yeah, absolutely. And he played both at Alabama on both sides, and you know he's shown some high ability, and then he's kind of left you a little disappointed. Right now, I think he's that six, seventh guy in the offensive line room. Let him get stronger. Let the game slow down for him a little bit. Just be that security blanket off the bench at multiple positions, which is great to have. But right now, he really needs to figure out, hey, if I'm not going to be an elite pass protector, I better be damn good in the run game. And he just doesn't have something to hang his hat on right now. And that may be the lack of confidence. That may be the game's too fast for him. That may be, hey, I'm playing too many spots, and I can't settle down. I know people think, you know, in fan circles, well, it's guard, left guard, right guard, it's offensive line, tackle, left side, right side. That's not easy for every offensive lineman. Some make it look very easy. Some handle it very easily. Others really struggle. And that could be something he goes through, or maybe not. I don't know the the player. I don't know the human. I don't know the person. I don't know what's between the ears. I just watch the tape and tell you what I see. Yeah, Ben, earlier I saw you had a series of tweets, and you were talking about the offensive line troubles in Tampa Bay and how Tom Brady, he mitigates that by getting the ball out so quick. With this Raiders offensive line being maybe the one question mark on this team, how much can Derek Carr help them by getting the ball out quicker, or does it just, if the line's bad, the line's bad, basically? Well, what I think the Raiders need is a foundational system and balance. I think Derek Carr was literally 
the Superman for this team last year. When Derek Carr played like Superman, the Raiders won games. When he came back down to earth like Clark Kent, they lost games. I don't think that's any way to go through an NFL season. Quarterbacks need help. Quarterbacks need system. Quarterbacks need balance. And I think that some of the best offenses around the NFL have balance. You look at what Aaron Rodgers done in back-to-back MVP seasons under LaFleur. He has literally game-managed his way to MVP. <laughs> they run the heck out of the ball now, tons of play action, RPOs, easy completions. Aaron Rodgers doesn't have to be a superhero, and he just won the MVP. So when I look at Derek Carr and the kind of collective state of the Raiders and Josh McDaniels, McDaniels is going to bring a system. McDaniels is going to bring balance. And typically balance starts with the run game in the NFL. And they got to set the tone and be an efficient run team, and then suddenly everything else is easy. I just never saw anything easy for this offense. Now, Derek Carr played lights out at times. But why does he always have to play lights out for this team to win? Help this guy. Help him with the system, a run game, balance, and then suddenly the pass game opens up and play-action shots are there and, you know, offense doesn't have to be so hard. So I'm excited for a system to finally be around Derek Carr. Yeah, and it looks like that Josh McDaniels is putting in that system, and this team is looking like they're not going to continuously beat themselves like they've done in many, many years uh, prior to this. So I'm excited to see what they do as well. And, Ben, you mentioned Thayer Munford. He was the seventh-round pick out of Ohio State. He currently is injured, but he was getting some burn. We talked about him a lot last week about, hey, this guy out the seventh round may end up being a a, a potential starter. What did you see while while you were evaluating Thayer Munford? What should Raider Nation know about him? Uh, Thayer Munford, I'm trying to dig through my, my notes real fast here while I'm stalling on the air. But, uh, <laughs> you know, Thayer Munford, I think playing at Ohio State, you know, scouting all these guys, I'm already on the 2023 guys. You're asking me about guys from last year. I'm way behind. But, you know, <laughs> Thayer Munford playing at Ohio State, playing some multiple spots there too. Just a very experienced player, very long player. He looks the part. Another guy just needs to get better with his consistency. And, you know, kind of balking at the Thayer Munford conversation, This offensive line unit for the Raiders will make or break them. And I'm leaning a little bit more towards break them for 2022. This team is about two seasons away from really turning over the roster and getting out from some of these bad signings, bad draft picks, and bad talent. I think this year is going to be a real kind of figure out what you have. But you're a few parts away, and a few parts away on the offensive line which is a scary proposition considering there's only five spots and it's saying multiple parts. It's saying, oh, geez, we need two guys, three guys maybe. (laughs) There's a lot of kind of renovation and makeover to this team, and it starts with the offensive line unit. I think it's a bottom five group right now, but I'm excited about the young talent. So let's get their feet wet. Let's figure out what we have. Hopefully Thayer Munford can get in there and figure out what you have this year and then really turn it on next year for those swan songs of uh, Derek Carr's backside of the career. There you go, right there. Ben, before we let you go, and I can't believe I'm asking this question, but you said you're already preparing for next year's draft. We know it's a, a pretty deep quarterback draft, at least that's what they tell us. What about the offensive line draft coming up? How, how deep should that draft be, especially at the tackle position? Oh, no, I might be uh, sticking a thorn in their sides right here because we just came from back-to-back-to-back deep tackle classes. And typically, these things are cyclical. Yeah. And unfortunately, this is the year that it rubber bands back, and it isn't a deep tackle group. There isn't a whole lot of elite talent at the top. There isn't a whole lot of exciting young talent. There's a handful of guys maybe in the conversation right now, like Peter Skaronsky at Northwestern, Paris Johnson, Ohio State, which like just for the collective conversation, 
Paris Johnson was just named a preseason first team All American by the AP at left Jeez. tackle. Yeah. He's never even played left tackle. Wow. So that's kind of the state of, you know, tackles in college football right now. Broderick Jones at Georgia looks good. He's a redshirt sophomore. He's played one year. He might be there for another two, three years. So long story short, it's not a great class coming up. It's not a great free agent market coming up. So you might have to do a little work if you have some big holes to fill. All right, Ben, now this is really going to be the last one because I saw that you did a lot of highlighting of the Packers-Saints preseason game. Trevor Penning, is he more bark than bite? Because I'm just not buying it. Now, listen, he's outstanding in the run game. He moves people. He's athletic off the ball. He's finishing. He's nasty. He gets it done in the run game. He has some technique flaws in pass protection that are really hurting him, especially at the top of the rush against speed rushers. He is not moving his feet when he throws his hands, which is a common problem of young tackles, of not playing with the proper hand-feet coordination there. Once your feet stop, you're dead. So he has a bit of a technique flaw. It is correctable. But as of right now, he is a massive liability in pass protection, but he looks damn good in the run game. And this is the, the yin and the yang, the heckle and jide of young offensive linemen. Can you survive with them? Can you get the good out of them while just kind of can you, can you bear their, their negatives and their deficiencies? And Trevor Penning, I expect to be that left tackle. Is he going to get Jameis killed a couple times to start the season? Time will tell. But right now, he is very hot and cold, looks good in the run game, pass pro, it needs some work. Man, I don't think, Ben, I've ever had a conversation just all about offensive line. That was as fun as that conversation we just had with you the last 15 minutes. <laughs> Great stuff, my man. I definitely appreciate you. You got anything coming out that we need to be on the lookout for? Uh, no, I'm about to join CBS again for my second year. Uh, nice. We have our first game lined up already in Steelers-Bengals. So I'm excited to see Joe Burrow out there working with Ian Eagle and Charles Davis two of the best broadcasters yeah. in the business, super excited. So anytime you see uh, CBS on the TV, if Charles is there, I'm the one in the truck doing all his video breakdowns and graphic videos and what we call doodles and XOs. Uh, so it's a lot of fun, but excited to get back out on the road here pretty soon. Well, Charles is my guy. He's on the show a lot, so uh, we definitely appreciate you, and we obviously appreciate him as well. But, uh, Ben, we'll be calling you some more, man. Fantastic breakdowns, and like I said, we'll be talking to you soon. Looking forward to it. Take care, guys. All right, there he goes, Ben Fennell right there, breaking down the draft. Breaking down the draft and offensive linemen. Again, I'm not lying when I say that that was a fun offensive line conversations and uh, the do's and don'ts and what you need to have and uh, look very high on Dylan Parham, right? I think that that's a, a really good player that the Raiders decided to make their first draft pick under the Dave Ziegler uh, regime and Champ Kelly regime and obviously Josh McDaniels as well. He's a guy that is going to do exactly what, Dave Ziegler wants, which is versatile, versatile, versatile. Play any position that you want him to play. A guy that played defense, a guy that played tight end, a guy that's now on offensive lineman playing all three of the interior positions. Great stuff right there. 347 is the time. Take a quick break. We'll come back. Close out hour number two. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Coming up at 4 o'clock. Steve Wisniewski, eight-time Pro Bowler on the Raiders offensive line, both in Oakland and L.A., will join the show. It's alumni weekend. Over 300 Raider alumni will be in town. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. They'll be here for the game on Friday and the whole entire weekend, so we'll talk to him about that. We'll also talk to him about the offensive line and his expectations and what they need to do to get things where they need to be. We did get a text on the Salmon Ash text line. 69187 keyword R&R. Turn over the roster. This dude's an idiot. Talking about our last guest, uh, Ben Fennell, who's talked about 
uh, you know, turned over the roster. And honestly, I believe that he was talking about basically the offensive line and the guys that they have, the young dudes. They have Dylan Parham. He's there. He feels confident about him. Colton Miller, I think everyone's pretty confident about him. But outside of that, it's a lot of question marks, right? There's a lot of question marks. Andre James, he has to continue to develop uh, the right guard position, right tackle position. That's all up for grabs. So uh, he's talking about that. But then if you want to take it a step further and talk about the entire roster, what have we said? I mean, I, I don't think that that's really a crazy statement. We've been talking about the way that these contracts are structured. Every one of these guys' contracts are structured to they have a small window. So where he's saying turn over the roster, he's not saying tomorrow, but it's – uh, uh, there's a window there. If you look at Adams' contract, if you look at uh, Carr's contract, if you look at Renfro's contract, it is a, a window where they say, hey, we're going to do this, we're going to work on this, we're going to try to get this done in this amount of time. And if it doesn't get done, all bets are off. And that's why the contracts are structured that way. So I understand what you're saying, but it's not really that far off of a conversation. It's really not. And I've heard a lot of people that are credible and I respect say that, hey, this year for the Raiders is just a, let's see how good this team can be. Every team, you know, Super Bowl or bust, but next year is the year that it's all in where maybe they can retool, have a little bit more salary cap space and bring in some bigger name players or just some better players on that offensive line. So like you said, it's not out of the question. I see what he's saying. Yeah, no, I understand as well. Uh, again, I don't think it's, you know, I, I know when people hear turnover the roster, like, oh, my God, this guy's falling, tear everything apart. No, it's not, not meaning that, but it's, it's obviously, yes, there's going to be some turnover at some, a certain point, especially if things don't get done quick, fast, and hurry. Say, say this season, I don't think it will, but say this season were just to go tragically wrong. There would be massive changes in the offseason, massive. There just would. Again, I don't think that that's going to happen. I believe that this team is a really good one, as I mentioned at the start of the show, but – We've seen stranger things happen. So thank you so much for that text. We definitely appreciate hearing from you. 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy, uh, Raider X. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, guys. Hey, uh, you know, you guys just cued me right in there. Um, that, I, I agree exactly with all that because it, it feels like right now they're, gonna, they're, they're slated to go into the, into the playoffs with a strong run. And who knows? You know, once you get into the playoffs, all bets are on. You know, yep. let's, let's see what happens. But, you know, you know, that's kind of a great thing for Las Vegas because 2024, you know, that'd be nice. That'd be yeah. real sweet, man, because all everything will come together. And just like your previous guest, you know, they said, you know, a few tweaks here and there. You know, right now, we don't even know who's going to be truly the, the second uh, second spot in the secondary for a safety. Who's going to play the slot? You know, and, and is Illuminor the, 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 you know, the end-all at right tackle? Right. It looks pretty good, but I guess that's kind of like what we're settling with you know will it be you know the Thayer do you think he might step up shoot you know is Andre is Andre going to hold down that center right you know you know I mean there's a lot of things that are right now uh, I think it was um Hollins uh you know again here we go the same dude but he said the same thing you know there's only two guarantees out there in the wide receiver it was 13 and 17 yep you know everything else is up for grabs and and you, you're saying it these contracts are letting everybody know like you were talking back, you know, in, in, in previous you know shows about, you know, that last year, that contract year, you're going to play out. And they got a lot of players that want to play out because they want to return and they also want to get paid. And one thing we've seen over the last few seasons, the Raiders get people paid. Yep. So, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things. I think we're going to see, I don't want to say overachieving. I just think that they're going to achieve and they're going to realize their expectations. The Raiders are going to come out to play. And uh, I think... This last couple of days were actually uh, a, a nice sample 
of what is yet to come. Yeah, good call. I appreciate you, and I agree. I do think the last two days were very beneficial for this team. I think it was beneficial for everyone to see it, too. I think, I mean, just for me, I can only talk for myself, right? It was very beneficial for me to see them going up against someone else that wasn't in a preseason game where you know it's twos and threes. Like, even the Miami game, okay, they had their ones out there for a quick second, but it wasn't very long, right? And there were still guys that weren't, that weren't ones that were out there. So you really don't have any idea. Plus, you don't see a Crosby, a Chandler Jones. You don't see a D.C., a Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro. You don't see any of that. The last two days we saw that. And granted, our view of it wasn't as great as I'd like it to be, but it was good enough to know that this team is going to be very competitive. And again, in my opinion, they're going to be very good. And that's really all I need to know. They're disciplined. They're attention to detail. They're going to be a good team. They just got to go out there, obviously, and get it done on the field. And a lot of it's going to go back to the trenches. The offensive line, defensive line, got to get pressure and got to stop pressure from happening. 3.57 is the time when we come back. We'll be talking to eight-time Pro Bowler, former Raider offensive lineman Steve Wisniewski. He was a guy to play whistle to whistle and beyond. We'll talk to him next on Raider Nation Radio 920.